A reading from the book <clears throat> from the book of Acts. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders <clears throat> and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. But David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. <clears throat> you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about our patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this day that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3000 souls, the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, Peter said that um, this promise is uh, not only for the, the folks who were there uh, on that day 2,000 years ago on Pentecost Sunday or Pentecost Day, um, but that it is a promise uh, for those who are far off. Uh, geographically, uh, far off in time as well. All whom the Lord our God will call. All whom you call to yourself. This promise is, is for us. So will you, we recognize that you've been fulfilling that promise to give the Holy Spirit for 2,000 years. Um, but will you give it 
specifically to us in a renewing way today. Uh, especially for those of us who, for whom these, these are, are words that don't make a lot of sense. Um, and for those of us who uh, have heard this stuff loads of times before, and it's just kind of run, risks being run of the mill, um, you are not run of the mill. And you regularly give gifts that are beyond our ability to fully comprehend in the moment of giving. So we ask that you will give us gifts that are better than our prayers and better than our expectations and, and beyond our experience to this point because you are infinitely beautiful and we desire to see more of who you are. And so fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, please uh, turn back to uh, pages 8 and 9 and 10. Um, we, we sometimes do this when there's a long reading. So very often in church, we read little short readings, and that can be really, really helpful sometimes when you want to zero in on something. But at other times, it can, there can be a liability because uh, sometimes we don't see the, the, the unfolding narrative of uh, the Bible and of the readings and so forth. And so uh, sometimes, like today, what we like to do is use both the readings. We usually always read at least two readings of the Bible. Use both our readings to really tell one story. That's what we're doing today. Both of those long readings are really just the same thing. I would say, you know, two halves of one, uh, one event. And, and today is the day of Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. What's that? Well, thank you for asking. Um, it's the day, amongst other things, it's the day that we uh, give particular uh, focus and celebration to God's gift of the Holy Spirit. And if, that, if you don't really know what that means, well, wonderful. You came on a great day. Um, let me set this up, though, particularly for those of us who have been a part of Emmanuel for a while. Uh, last week, we had newcomer, a newcomer's event, newcomer's lunch. And, and one of the fun things in a newcomer's lunch is when we uh, uh, play the game Stump the Vicar. Um, and that's when, we, that's when anybody gets to ask me anything they want. Um, and, and, I, and I get to squirm, which is fun for everybody. And um, anyways, one of the questions that came up was, was this one, it, something like this. I'm rephrasing it a little bit, but um, the person said, all right, I've heard you talk about how Emmanuel exists to, and if you've been around for a while, you know what I'm going to say, Emmanuel exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. We say that a lot here. And the person said, all right, I, I hear that, um, but what, where does the Holy Spirit fit into that? Um, I really appreciated the question because um, it, it, another way to frame it, this isn't the way the person said it, but another way to say it is this, um, are we in danger of ignoring or undervaluing the Holy Spirit? which is a super important question. And, and it's an important question because the answer is, of course we are. We always are. Now, let me try to be clear about this. I do not believe for a moment that the Holy Spirit is ignoring us. 
Um, I see signs of the Holy Spirit's work all over the church, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But I want to take advantage of that question last week and the fact that today is Pentecost in order to remind us of this reality, and here it is. A Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit working in, in the person's life it is not yet a Christian in the, in the classic Bible sense of that word. And a church uh, without the Holy Spirit may be a religious institution, may have a tax-exempt status, but isn't really a church in the manner with which the New Testament talks about being a church. In other words, everything that is alive and everything that is real and everything that is vital in Christianity comes to us by the Holy Spirit. Ignore the Holy Spirit and everything begins to crumble. Or I could say it differently yet again. I can say this, out of all the many gifts that God gives us, and God gives us so many gifts, everybody breathe. That is a gift. But out of all the many gifts that God gives us, there is no greater gift than the Holy Spirit, because when God gives us the Holy Spirit, he is giving us himself. He is giving us himself in love to us, and God's best gift is always himself. And therefore, Emmanuel, if, think about your prayer life. If we are going to pray for anything, let's be a church that is constantly asking for a deeper work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Well, let me try to persuade you. Um, uh, this story that we're looking at is uh, the story of the first time the Holy Spirit came upon a group of Christians. It's the story of the birth or the launch of the Christian church. And as we look at it, I want to show you three things, predictably. Um, first of all, uh, the, I am a predictable guy. Um, the Holy Spirit, here they, here they are, they're very important. Um, the Holy Spirit grants us to see Jesus in a way that we can't see otherwise, number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit enables us to see ourselves in a way uh, that is frightening and clear. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit sends us out in, in mission with a humbled kind of confidence. The Holy Spirit shows us Jesus ourselves and sends us in mission. First of all, the Holy Spirit shows us Jesus. Um, and for this, I want you to focus on Peter. Now, Peter's the guy that's saying most of the things in our reading. Remember a little bit of backstory about Peter. Peter was one of Jesus's closest disciples. Uh, he spent loads of times, time with Jesus over the course of about three years. And from the very beginning, Peter was one of the key leaders of the, uh, of the disciples of Jesus. However, do you remember what happened when Jesus got arrested? Uh, Peter had just told Jesus, Jesus, uh, even if you get arrested, even if they come against you, I'm going to be with you to the end. I'll give my life for you, Jesus. And within an hour or so, Jesus was arrested and Peter went to pieces. Peter denied Jesus three times in one night. And one of the times that Peter denies knowing anything about Jesus and having any association with Jesus, Jesus is actually within eyeshot of Peter and their eyes lock and Peter's goes completely to pieces. Now, have you ever been betrayed by a friend? Uh, betrayal is an exquisite kind of pain. And yet, despite that, here he is, no more than seven weeks later, 
and he's publicly speaking about Jesus. And some of the people he's speaking to in our reading, some of the people in the crowd were people who had helped arrange Jesus's death. They're some of the very people whom Peter was so frightened of just seven weeks before. And now Peter is neither afraid of them nor ashamed of Jesus. And so the question is, what in the world happened to Peter? Well, go to the reading. First reading, at the very beginning, all the disciples had been praying. It's very important in this that the disciples do not take the initiative. The Holy Spirit is something that barrels into their lives. It's not something they work up. And as they're praying in weakness, unsure what was to happen next, all of a sudden they hear something unexpected, something that a little bit like a hurricane sound. And then they see something unexpected. They see something, I don't know, something like flames of fire coming down and resting on each of them. And they weren't expecting any of that any more than you would be expecting those things. Now, in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, um, fire and wind are both uh, signs of God's presence. So if you remember the story of Moses, Moses meets God and there's a, a burning bush. The bush is, appears to be on fire, but the the bush doesn't actually get consumed. And, and so when the disciples see fire, something like fire coming down on the disciples but not burning them, it's an indication to them that they are right up against the same God that Moses met. And then they all start speaking, and they start speaking in different languages. We'll talk about that in a second. But look at what it is that they're saying. Look at verse 11. They all start praising or extolling the mighty works of God. Now, that's key, everybody. When the Holy Spirit shows up in your life, the Holy Spirit takes what it is that you know about God and makes us see how wonderful God is, how beautiful God is, how compelling God is. Think, think with me just about this for a minute. Um, the Bible talks a lot about faith, believing in God. However, when the Bible talks about uh, faith and believing in God, the Bible means more than just, I hold the opinion that God or something like God exists. It means more than just, we're not atheists. And this is important, why? Um, I can hold the theoretical view that God exists and yet nevertheless kind of be bummed that God exists. I can hold the theoretical view that God exists and kind of not like God much or not trust God much or not really want God to intervene in my life in any particular way. Or at other times, um, I might decide, well, okay, yes, I think God exists, and therefore I do a little calculation. I better vaguely conform to God um, like I pay my taxes. Um, I pay my taxes. Uh, it, not out of love. Uh, I, I, pay, I pay taxes because I don't want the government to mess with me. And, and, and it kind of gives me a little bit of a, a, a kickback of, it makes me feel like at least not a bad person. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes um, I, I can behave like that towards God. I, I, I don't want God to mess with me, and I kind of like 
thinking of myself as a good person and therefore I might uh, conform to what I think God expects of me and I might look good on the outside. I might persuade myself and yet nevertheless, deep down, I don't really love God any more than I love the IRS. And the Holy Spirit changes that. And you can see that change in Peter. Peter, you got to remember that Peter had been utterly petrified by the people who he's speaking to in this moment, just a few weeks before this. And now those very same people start mocking him. You guys are drunk. And right then, Peter gets up. Uh, Peter always responds rapidly. Peter gets up and he starts to defend himself, right? Except he doesn't defend himself. He doesn't talk about himself at all. He just starts talking about Jesus. It's as if he looks at this hostile crowd and he looks at them with a boldness he didn't have before and he says, let me tell you the most beautiful story I know. It's as if Peter looks at them and says, in so many words, Jesus Christ. Remember that guy? That guy that many of you helped arrange his death? Well, God unkilled him. And now he's the supreme authority over the world. And then Peter looks at them and says, he says, but you know what? He uses his authority to reconcile his enemies. And it's as if Peter says, I know that's true because he reconciled me. Now that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit illuminates our minds and our hearts so that we can see God's beauty and more specifically than that, the Holy Spirit works in us so that we can see the beauty of Jesus Christ in a way that we couldn't see before. You see, previously, Peter had denied Jesus because once Jesus was arrested, he just thought Jesus was a failure. But when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, Peter could see Jesus with a new kind of vividness. And he could see that he was compelling and beautiful and wonderful and more wonderful than any person imaginable. And that made Peter want to surrender all that he is to him. And when Peter surrendered all that he is to Jesus Christ, it didn't feel like an obligation and it didn't feel coercive. It felt free. And that's exactly, Emmanuel, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. First, the Holy Spirit shows us Jesus in a way that we cannot see otherwise. But then secondly, the Holy Spirit enables us to see ourselves with a frightening kind of clarity. Move from Peter now to the crowd. Um, remember, according to Peter, some of the people in this crowd had helped arrange Jesus' death. Uh, these are people who had seen Jesus and heard Jesus teach and had pers been persuaded, had come to the conclusion that Jesus uh, was not to be trusted, that Jesus was a phony and that Jesus should be killed. Some of them perhaps were cynical and skeptical. Maybe you can identify. Others were extremely uh, radically religious. And they were proud and superior and self-righteous. Now, how in the world do you get through to a group of people like that? Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit does in them precisely what the Holy Spirit had been doing in Peter, except with a bit of a twist. 
go back to the reading. Um, look at verse 17 in the first bit of uh, the first section. Peter gets up to speak, and um, he begins with a long quote. Do you see that there? Uh, that comes from the prophet Joel in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And everybody in the crowd knew that quote. They were all well familiar with Joel. Uh, and this is one of the places in the Old Testament when God promises to come and work amongst us by the Holy Spirit. But the people in the crowd, they knew the rest of the message of Joel. And the rest of the message of Joel was not flattering. Uh, if you go and read Joel, which you can do, it doesn't take that long, um, it ends up that according to Joel, the people of God, the people, the religious community in his day, uh, loved God a little bit like you love the IRS. In other words, they, they conformed in some ways, but they didn't really love God deeply. Now, my guess is that the crowd that's listening to Peter, they know that story. They've been warned by that story. Don't be like those people back then. And I suspect that they thought of themselves as better. I suspect that they thought that they, unlike the people that the prophet Joel was speaking to, that they were better than average and that they were the real deal. But that's when they see something about themselves that they hadn't expected. Because Peter reminds them of Joel, and then Peter reminds them about how at least some of them had helped arrange Jesus' death, and how God had raised, them, raised him from the dead. And somehow, in that moment, something clicked within their minds and within their hearts, and the crowd realized that they were no better than the people in Joel's day. They were no better than the than their ancestors whom they had previously loved to critique, they realized in that moment that they claimed to, know, to love God, but that when God had shown up in person, all their hostility against God had poured out. And they saw the truth about themselves for the very first time. In other words, verse 37, second reading, they were cut to the heart. And once again, Emmanuel, that's what the Holy Spirit always does. Uh, one of the things I hate is I hate seeing my sin. Uh, I hate failure. Uh, in fact, uh, if, if I can, if I can like, avoid any kind of failure in my life, that's wonderful. And sometimes I particularly want to make sure people around me don't see my failure. Um, and sometimes I can persuade myself that I'm that there's no failure. The Holy Spirit, however, loves me too much to indulge that desire. Because if the Holy Spirit just lets us move, you know, not deal with our deep moral failings, um, what will happen to me is I'll just become more and more arrogant and more and more superior and more and more self-righteous and more and more bitter towards others. And when I finally can no longer ignore my failures and I see them up front, I'll go from being arrogant to being utterly self-loathing. I'll hate myself. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, the Holy Spirit cuts open my heart to show me what I want to ignore. But the Holy Spirit doesn't cut open my heart in cruelty. The Holy Spirit cuts open my heart with the kindness of a surgeon who wants to heal. And in that moment, I can see my sin, and it hurts. 
but there's more because the Holy Spirit doesn't just show me my sin. If that's all the Holy Spirit did, then I would be left in self-loathing and despair. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to leave me in despair. So the Spirit shows me my sin, but at the same moment turns my eyes to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit shows me my sin and at the same time shows me that there's mercy in Jesus, not just generally for everybody, but that there's mercy for me. There's mercy for the parts of my life for which I have no mercy for myself. And that's when the real change begins. Because when I see Jesus's mercy, not just in general, but specifically for me, that's when the Holy Spirit tethers my soul to Jesus Christ with an unbreakable bond of love and I begin to sense a new kind of freedom and I look at him and I say whatever it takes Jesus I want to be on your team and in that moment my arrogance gives way to humility and my despair gives way to confidence and that's what happened to the crowd that day they had helped arrange Jesus's death but in that moment they were cut to the heart and in that moment, they repented and they were baptized and they became the founding members of the whole Christian movement. Friends, never forget that the Christian church, the original members of the Christian church, were composed of people who had either uh, betrayed and denied Jesus on the one hand or people who had helped arrange his death on the other. The Holy Spirit is really the gift only for God's enemies. You've got to see your own sin before you fully see the beauty of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not a Christian, and if all of this seems distant, and if the idea of God seems obscure, well, the good news is God himself wants to make, him, make himself clear. And he wants to reach out to you, and he wants to embrace you with a love that is beyond your capacity to imagine it. And if you are a Christian, this is how you grow. The Holy Spirit wants to show me my sin and Christ's grace and pour out love in that moment. So the Holy Spirit shows us Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows us ourselves, but then finally the Holy Spirit sends us out in mission with a humbled kind of boldness. Go back to the reading. Um, two last weird things that we haven't talked about. There's more weird things, but we don't, we don't have time. First weird thing, do you notice how when the Holy Spirit comes up, everybody starts speaking different languages? Uh, or it might be more accurate to say that, that the disciples start speaking and everybody hears what they're saying in their own native language. Um, it's an odd miracle, but it means something. And what it means at least is this, that the Holy Spirit and the message of Jesus is for everybody. Every culture. And one of the things it means is that the Holy Spirit wants to gather a family for God out of every language and every uh, people group and every culture. And he wants to make us a family that's united not by genetics and not by nation, not by politics or ethnicity. He wants to gather a family that is united in a common love for Jesus Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. This is a remarkable moment of reconciliation. But then notice something else. We mainly hear Peter speaking, but he wasn't the only one speaking. All the disciples are speaking. And if you look at the quote from Joel, it says that 
when the Spirit comes, everyone will prophesy. Uh, prophecy. Prophecy can mean a few different things. Uh, in this context, it is not mainly telling the future. In this context, it means speaking of the beauty of Jesus Christ in such a way that other people are given a chance to see it too. And that's exactly what Peter's doing in his big talk. And one of the things that that means for us, Emmanuel, is that all of us get to be enrolled in Jesus's mission. Everybody gets to play. And there's something very natural about this, because when the Holy Spirit comes and binds you in love to Jesus, you can't love Jesus without beginning to love the people whom Jesus loves. And you find out that Jesus' love is extraordinarily generous and that Jesus' love goes out very specifically to the people whom you might otherwise have good reason to hate. And once you're beginning to love even those people whom you used to consider your enemies, then all of a sudden you see that Jesus' love goes out to everybody. And when you can see both Jesus' beauty and the goodness of his news for the people in our world, then all of a sudden you will want to open your mouth and describe Jesus in such a manner that other people can come and experience his embrace. Now, all of this means this, and this is where I'll wrap up. Emmanuel, uh, we exist to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of New York City. And we could say the exact same thing this way. We exist to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that our city can see Jesus too. And so let me ask you this. Can you see the beauty of Jesus? If you can, celebrate that as the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you can't, then know this. God loves to give the Holy Spirit, and he likes to be asked. And on the other hand, can you see yourself? Can you see your sin? And I'm not saying in a way that leads to self-loathing. I'm saying in a way that... Can you see your sin and see Jesus's mercy specifically for you? If you can, celebrate that as the work of the Spirit. And if you can't, God likes to be asked. And do you desire to describe Jesus's beauty to other people in your life? And is there something of a delighted joy? And are you humbled and bold at the same time? Humbled because you know that it's nothing vested in you, everything is a gift, but bold because you're convinced that there's good news to share. If you are, celebrate that as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And if that's not where you're asked, if that's not where you're at, then remember that God loves to be asked. So friends, let's be a people who ask for the Holy Spirit because Jesus is beautiful. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.